Would you turn your Bible, please, to 1 John chapter 1? I appreciate Brother Bill Compton leading our music today. What a blessing to have these men of God in our midst who are willing and capable and able to serve the Lord. 1 John chapter 1, there are 10 verses, and we want to read these 10 verses. And the message today, real joy in 1984. Real joy in 1984. May we bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee for all that we have experienced in worshiping, in praising, in giving, in hearing. Now may the Holy Spirit make the Word of God very, very real and precious to us, opening its pages, its truths to our hearts. In Jesus' name, we ask that souls who do not know the Lord Christ will come to know Jesus, and that God's people will be led to real joy, wonderful joy, in this year. In Christ's name, amen. John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, near the end of the New Testament, just before the book of Revelation. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I believe that this was John's New Year's message to the church that he served. You recall that John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos for preaching the Word of God. Tradition tells us that he was later freed from that exile and went back to the city of Ephesus, where he served as a pastor emeritus, sort of. And he wrote the general letters of 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, and he penned the visions that God had given him in Revelation, and he sent them to the seven churches. Now that church at Ephesus was the first church mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, 
the church that had left its first love. And I think that's where John was serving. After he came out of the, had come out of the Isle of Patmos in the exile, he came back to that city and he saw something happening that bothered him and disturbed him. And along with that, I think it was the beginning of the year. And he penned the five chapters of 1 John as a special message to the church, to God's people, to the Christians, saying how you can have real joy in this new year. The theme of this first chapter seems to be verse 4, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. He says, the reason I'm writing this to you is so you can be a joy-filled Christian. There's a big difference between happiness and joy. Happiness has in it the word happening, or happy, or happening. And so many times our happiness depends upon the happenings that go on all around us. If we have enough money to pay our bills, we're happy. If our friends are nice to us, we're happy. If we receive what we want for Christmas, we're happy. And incidentally, you made me very happy last Sunday morning in that wonderful gift you presented me. And I I thank you for it. But happiness has to do with happenings and circumstances. When those things do not make us happy, When we don't have enough money to pay our bills, when our friends desert us, or when we don't get the things that we feel we need, sometimes we give way to unhappiness. Have you ever seen an unhappy person? Happiness has to do with surroundings and circumstances and things. But joy is an entirely different matter. Joy is a condition of the heart that is at rest in Christ. Joy is spelled, the kids told us about it at that Christmas service, J-O-Y, J-O-Y. That must surely mean Jesus first, yourself last, others in between. And that's the only way to have joy. J-O-Y, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. But joy is a condition that comes into the heart when Jesus comes in, because Jesus is joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. The angel said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. They didn't say we bring to you good tidings of great happiness, but of great joy, which shall be to all people, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. Now John says, I'm writing this out of a personal experience. I'm not giving you something secondhand. I'm giving you something I've experienced myself, that which we have seen. We have heard, our hands have handled of the word of life. It was this same John who wrote in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is joy. 
And John says, I've experienced him. He is real in my heart. He is real in my life. And my dear beloved friends, we cannot make something real to somebody else when it is not real to us. One of the great problems we face in soul winning endeavors and witnessing so many times people do not go witnessing they do not go soul winning and we try to urge them and we plead with them and we beg them but lots of times people don't go because they don't have anything to tell they've never been changed Jesus doesn't really reign and live in their hearts or if there was ever that joy there it has been swept over into some corner of the heart and our life and heart and mind have been filled with the things of the world. And there's no joy, no peace, no power, no purpose. John says, I'm writing this to you that your joy might be full. Well, now, how are we going to have the fullness of joy? John gives us a threefold simple formula. And that's what this chapter is. Very brief. He said, here it is. Here's how you're going to have joy. First of all, recognize that God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. God is the end of your search for truth. God is the end of your quest for that which will satisfy. God is light. Men don't love darkness. Oh, I know the Word of God says men love darkness because their deeds are evil. But all oh, the awful hangover from evil deeds, they bother us. You see, there's an image of God in man. We studied in Genesis 1 today. The image of God in man is that image, though irreparably marred because of the fall of man into sin, that image is still there. And there's something in every man that when he sins, and he goes away from God and he lives a low life and he gets his life all tangled up in the webs of this world he's not happy about it he's not joy filled about it he's ashamed of it it bothers him he doesn't have a clear conscience and John is saying if you want real joy remember that God is light not the world God is light not Hollywood God is light not the pet television program that you like so much or the soap opera or something else. God is light, not your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Oh, it's important to have a girlfriend and a boyfriend. It's important to grow in love and have a wonderful home relationship. But oh, my dear friend, even those who have been married for many, many years, your wife is not your light. God, your husband is not your light. God is your light. And when we forget that, there's no joy. Our lives are a drag. But when our life is hitched to God, and we know that God is light, God is the one who satisfies. God is the one who can reach down into the human heart and meet that heart's needs. He brings joy. A very precious Chinese author, preacher, preached in China before the communists took over. And when the communists took over, 
They arrested him, placed him in jail and prison. For 20 years, that dear man who wrote many, many books, the author of The Normal Christian Life and many other books that you've read, he did everything he did. He wrote everything he ever wrote before he was 40. After he was 40, he didn't have any more time. He was in prison. And while he was in that communist prison camp, he was not permitted to name the name of Jesus. He could not write anything about Jesus. He could scarcely even write his family a word. Just shortly before his death in 1973, a letter came out of the prison camp to his family. Very simple letter. And among other things in that letter, he said, I have learned how to contain my joy. You mean in the midst of 20 years of imprisonment in a communist prison camp with torture and everything else, that man could say, I've learned how to contain my joy? Yes, brother. Yes, sister. Because his joy was not in what we call freedom. His joy was not in his family. His joy was not in his, husband, his wife or his children or his church or anything else. His joy was in God. And if you want joy in 1984, let God be the most important one in your life and recognize that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we, have, we walk in the light, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. But if we say we, have, we walk in the light, we have the light and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. During this Christmas season, I've eaten a lot of goodies. Fruit cakes and jam cakes and chocolate cakes and chocolate pies and, and uh, mincemeat pies and all those things. Are, are, you, are, you, are you licking your lips? Those are delicious things. I like it, cherry pie with ice cream on it or apple pie with ice cream. I like all those things. But I want to tell you, no matter how pretty the cake looks or how pretty the pie looks, the thing that really tests whether it's good or not is what does it taste like and does it make you sick after you eat it. Now, I'm not talking about if you eat too much of it. But does, is it all right? Is it that kind of thing? Now, now, friend, the proof of the pudding of our lives is in what we live like. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we prevaricate. We tell a fib. We tell a story. The Bible puts it very bluntly, we lie and do not the truth. Where do you walk? Where is, your, where is it characteristically you walk? Do you enjoy going out and drinking? We've come through two big holidays, and I've been amazed at what I've heard on the radio telling people that if you get drunk, the only problem with getting drunk is just don't drive. We'll, you can call, an officer will come and take you somewhere and take you home safely. So don't worry about it. Just, you can go on and get drunk, but just be sure that you don't drive while you're drinking. Well, that's good advice. Nobody ought to drive while they're drinking, but they ought not to drink either. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Do you enjoy walking in lust? 
It leads down to the paths of hell and a wasted life. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. And if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship. Interestingly enough, the scripture verse says we have fellowship one with another. You would expect it to say we have fellowship with Him. Certainly we will. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, God's people will have fellowship with God's people. We'll enjoy being together. And mark it down when somebody says, I don't enjoy going to church anymore. I don't like those people. It's not the people. Something wrong in that life. Because if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. One with another. We'll enjoy being with God's people. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Secondly, if you want joy, there's something else we need to remember. And that's the sinisterness of the human heart. Verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. My beloved friend, if we want joy in this year of 1984, then we need to recognize the terrible tragedy of sin. Sin is a monster. Sin is an awful experience in the human life. I found what somebody said about sin. I want to share it with you. Sin is a powerful force in human life. Sin is not so much a thing as a way of life. It is a force which has taken hold of human life and rules triumphantly. Sin to the human being is like heroin to the drug addict, alcohol to the alcoholic, lewd pictures to the victim of pornography. Some force has overwhelmed and taken command of his person. He no longer rules over his own drives and passions. They have come to rule and to ruin him. That's what sin is, somebody said. And the Bible says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Oh, listen. First of all, to those who are saved, if we want joy in 1984, let's recognize that we're going to have to battle with sin. May God deliver us from ever thinking we've gotten to a point where we'll live and we don't get bothered with temptations and troubles and, and, and sinful lusts and the appetites of the body. We're going to have to deal with that. And in a moment when we think not, they overwhelm us. They try to lay our honor in the dust. They try to drag us down to a wasted life. And the only way to have joy and to have victory is to deal with the reality of sin and recognize that it's going to be a problem in our lives. That's to the saved person. To those who have never been saved, who are outside of Christ, sin is the nature of your heart. The Bible tells us that in the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, man's, God's image in man became irreparably marred so that you cannot pull yourself up to God by your own bootstraps. You can never be good enough to get to God. You could quit a thousand things and start a thousand other things, but there would still be that same self-centeredness and selfishness of the heart that only the blood of Christ can cleanse.
And when you let Jesus in, he cleanses from all sin. And so in John's New Year's message to the church, I think he's saying, if you want joy in 1984, if you want joy in this new year, whatever year it was, I guess it would have been the first century, the end of the first century, I don't know, maybe the year 97 AD. John says, if you really want joy, deal with that sin problem in your life. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, Wherefore, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. What is the sin in your life that so easily besets you? I don't know what yours is. You don't know what mine is. Many times we don't even know what our own problem is. We don't even know what our own sin is. And so the Holy Spirit says in the Scripture, find out what it is. Look into your own heart. Take stock. Recognize what it is. In some people it may be gossip. In some people it may be lack of faith, faithlessness. In some people it may be lust. In some people it may be some old habit, some old drug, some old alcohol problem that has been in the background of your life. Some people it may be profanity. It may be some sexual problem. Whatever it is. Find out what it is and deal with it. If you want to have joy in 1984, find out what your sin is. The sin that doth so easily beset you and make a beeline for Calvary. Take it again to the cross and trust the blood to cleanse from all sin. Thirdly, if you want real joy, wonderful joy, then look at verse 9 especially. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad that verse says that. Isn't that wonderful? If we confess our sins, that word confess in its original meaning means to agree with God. That's what it means. If your child has done something and uh, wrong and and you know that. They may not know that you know it, but you know it. And so you wait for that child to come and confess that problem to you or that thing he's done. What he's really doing is coming to say, Daddy, Mama, I agree with you that this thing is wrong. But as long as the heart is rebellious, and that child says, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have anything to apologize for. I didn't do anything wrong. And he holds on to that stubbornness. He cannot have peace. He cannot have joy. And there will be a disruption of fellowship between parents and children. But when that child comes and says, Dad or Mother, I was wrong. What they're really doing is agreeing with you that what they did was wrong. That's what the word confession means. To confess means to agree with God. And when we agree with God over the sins of our lives, God is faithful and just to do two things. First of all, He'll forgive us. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And secondly, He'll cleanse us. 
you get your child ready to go downtown. I, I visited a home one day and, and this had happened in their home and I've used this illustration a number of times probably here. I, I went to the home and the mother had gotten her little boy ready to go downtown with daddy when he got home. She had cleaned him all up and when I got there he just looked like a spotless as he could look. Had his hair all combed and everything was just in perfect order and a pretty clean shirt on and everything. And so I talked with her for a little while and the little boy disappeared. In a few moments he came back and he was crying. He had fallen into a mud puddle. His face was dirty, his hair was dirty, his, his shirt was dirty. And he came up with all those dirty clothes on and put his arms around mother and said, Mother, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I wanted to go downtown with daddy and now look at me and I can't go and he just cried. And you know what that mother did? She sent him out of her home, said, you're not my son. You go down the street and live with a neighbor. Did she do that? No, she didn't do that. She just took her, took that little boy in, his, in her arms with all the dirt and the mud and everything else, just loved him up a little bit because he confessed it to her, see? He for, she forgave him. And then you know what else she did? She took him to the bathroom and cleaned him up and got him ready a second time for daddy. That's what God does, brother, sister. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, take yourself to Calvary again. Go back to Jesus. Say, Lord, I messed up. Got dirty in the world. And I'm sorry. The Lord will cleanse you. He'll forgive you. And He'll cleanse you. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth from all unrighteousness. May we bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this simple truth from God's Word. We pray that today somebody want to pay the price to have joy in 1984. Looking to God, recognizing that light comes from God, dealing with their own sin, and then confessing that sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. He's calling for you and for me. What page is that, Bill? Number 246. 246. Let me ask that no one leave. We've got just a few moments for this critical time of the invitation. I want to, I want to plead with you today on this first year, first day of the new year. Let's... Let's take ourselves afresh to the Lord. There may be somebody here who has never really had full forgiveness. You do not know what it means to be forgiven. You do not know what it means to be cleansed. Come to Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, will cleanse you from all sin if you'll confess, acknowledge, agree with God being willing to repent of sin, turning away from it, and turning to Jesus. He'll forgive you and save you. There's mercy in Christ. There are others who have already been saved. 
But like that little boy, you've been out in the world and somehow you got the smell of the world on you. You got the dirt of the world in your heart. Things aren't really what they ought to be between you and God. I want to plead with you today, start things over again. Come to Him. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Will you do it? It may mean you need to come and move your letter to this church. Become part of this fellowship. Do what the Lord Jesus tells you to do. While we begin to sing, will you come? Who will step out? The first one to step out in 1984 for Christ. Will you do it today? God help you to do it.